I hope you're all home safe and feeling healthy right now. As we celebrated the new year, none of us could have imagined that in just a few short months we would face a global pandemic that would alter our daily lives dramatically. For some of us, the pandemic will alter our lives through loss, and for others, it may permanently alter how we live our lives in both positive and negative ways. Let's look after one another, be kind, protect those most vulnerable, and we will emerge from this challenge more united and more resilient, and most of all, with a better understanding of what is most important. Aside from health concerns, many are feeling economically insecure. For anyone listening who is concerned about the state of the economy, their business, or their financial situation, please do not hesitate to reach out to me to discuss your concerns. I may be able to offer you some helpful information or at least be a sounding board for you. Sometimes simply talking about your concerns can alleviate anxiety, so please reach out. Before we dive into our topic for this quarter, I wanted to add one more thing. I'm a realistic optimist and believe there is a silver lining in every difficult situation. For me, the silver lining has been working from home and being with my wife and our two young boys. As I record this from home, one of my sons has volunteered to provide today's show introduction. So let's get this show on the road. Welcome to Investing Insightful, the modern investor. This is a quarterly podcast to help you become a better investor so that you can grow and protect your wealth. For more information about Three Summit Investment Management, go to our website at 3summit.com. My daddy, Dan Irvine, is the host of this podcast. Thank you for listening. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Investments involve risk. Be sure to first consult with a qualified investment manager or tax professional before implementing any strategy. This podcast is not intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me again this quarter. We have a very timely topic to discuss. Given the market activity of the first quarter of 2020, it's the perfect opportunity to talk about conventional diversification, but more specifically to discuss when conventional diversification fails investors. As usual, I do have a few charts for this discussion. You won't necessarily need to be looking at them to follow along with the conversation. I will try to explain the charts as they come along. However, they are interesting. And if you're able, then you can access those charts on our website at www.3summit.com forward slash podcast. And then you should be able to click into this episode of the podcast. And in the show notes, you will find the charts. The markets during the last month and a half of the first quarter were absolutely vicious. By vicious, I mean the S&P 500 
set the unwelcome record of posting the fastest 30% drop in the history of the index. The S&P 500 went from the index record highs to a loss of 30% in just 22 trading days. In contrast, it took the S&P 500 250 trading days to lose 30% during the financial crisis of 2008 and 2009. I am sure the losses at the end of February and through March most likely captured your attention. It's been my experience that during long bull markets, investors are not terribly interested in talking about risk because their focus is on capturing the highest possible returns, and they save the risk management as a consideration for another day. Given the recency of the latest market crash, now is the perfect opportunity to discuss managing investment risk, and particularly the shortfalls of conventional diversification. Conventional diversification just happens to be the only line of defense most investors implement to defend against bear markets and stock market crashes. Understanding conventional diversification is very important because historically it fails when your portfolio needs it the most. And history repeated itself at the end of last quarter when conventional diversification failed again. Investors too often believe that large losses in the U.S. stock market are rare. The truth is they are not. Today, I'm going to share with you just how common large losses like those we recently experienced are and why conventional diversification does not adequately protect portfolios from bear markets and market crashes. Next quarter, I'll share risk management techniques that can help protect your portfolio when conventional diversification fails. Let's begin by talking about just how rare large losses like those we experienced last quarter really are. In the show notes, chart number one is a chart that lays out the frequency of large losses in the S&P 500 since 1928. Now I'm going to describe the chart here, but again, they are, it is available in the show notes if you'd like to look at it yourself. Losses greater than 30%, like we experienced recently, have occurred 17 times since 1928. The average frequency of such large losses is about six and a half years, and the longest stretch between losses of greater than 30% is 27 years. Now, if you step up, large losses greater than 40% have occurred seven times in the S&P 500 index since 1928. The average frequency of such large losses is 12 years, and the longest stretch between losses of that size is 36 years. The common misperception among investors regarding how frequently large losses occur in the U.S. stock market are probably attributable to the often long stretches between how often these large losses can occur. After all, the longest stretch between a loss greater than 30% is 27 years going back to 1928. However, the average frequency of such large losses is just six and a half years. And this average frequency presents a significant risk to all investors, no matter 
your investing time horizon. The frequency of large losses presents timing risk that must be managed by almost all investors, especially investors that have risky portfolios, those that are approaching or are in retirement, and for organizations that regularly draw on investment gains to fund their work. A loss of 30% or more is devastating to the long-term returns of any portfolio and are large enough to permanently reduce the total returns a portfolio generates over the long term. Conventional diversification is the ubiquitous risk management solution and usually the only risk management solution employed by the investment management industry to protect portfolios against large losses when they occur. Conventional diversification is a useful risk management tool. However, its tendency to fail when it is needed most is rarely understood or acknowledged within the investment management industry. Let's now explore conventional diversification and how it works and why it frequently fails at the time of greatest need. So what is conventional diversification? U.S. stocks are generally the highest returning assets in a portfolio and therefore often make up the largest percentage of an investment portfolio. The problem U.S. stocks present investors is that while historically they generate high returns, they are also very risky and are usually the primary contributor to portfolio losses. Many investors are not comfortable losing 30%, 50%, or more of their total assets during market downturns. Therefore, some level of risk management is required to prevent this level of loss. Conventional diversification seeks to mitigate the risk of U.S. stock ownership by investing in other asset classes, including foreign stocks, U.S. and international bonds, commodities, real estate, and many others. The investment theory behind this risk management technique is that historically the value of different asset classes rarely move in perfect tandem with the value of U.S. stocks. In some cases, the value of asset classes move in the opposite direction to the value of U.S. stocks. The varying degrees of independence in the value of different asset classes helps to reduce the risk of loss because when U.S. stocks are suffering large losses, it becomes likely that other asset classes are losing less or possibly even generating positive returns. In either case, the size of the total portfolio loss is reduced through conventional diversification because the portion of the portfolio not invested in U.S. stocks is likely to be generating either lower losses or offsetting U.S. stock losses through positive returns. Conventional diversification is the investing equivalent to the old saying that says, don't put all your eggs in one basket. So let's explore how conventionally diversified portfolios are designed. While I prefer to explain investment concepts with as little mathematical detail as possible, stay with me for an explanation of a statistical measure that is key to understanding how conventional diversification works in practice and why the risk management technique fails when you need it most. Conventional diversification relies on a statistical measure called correlation to calculate the decrease in the risk of losses from adding additional asset classes to a portfolio. 
Correlation mathematically measures the degree to which two asset classes change in value relative to each other. A negative correlation between two asset classes indicates that their changes in value historically move in the opposite direction to one another, meaning when one asset class is going up in value, the other is usually simultaneously going down. A positive correlation between two asset classes means their value changes in lockstep with one another and in the same direction. So asset classes with a negative correlation to one another add the most diversification benefit to a portfolio and have the greatest impact on lowering a portfolio's total risk of loss. On the other hand, asset classes with a positive correlation between one another add little to no diversification benefit and do the least in reducing the risk of loss. The degree to which the value of two asset classes move relative to one another is measured by calculating what is called the correlation coefficient, which is represented by a number between negative one and plus one. For example, a correlation coefficient between two asset classes of negative one represents perfect negative correlation, and the values of the two asset classes move in the opposite direction to one another. Conversely, a correlation of plus one represents perfect correlation, and the value of the two asset classes move in lockstep with one another and in the same direction. Finally, any value between negative one and plus one simply represents the strength of the relationship between the two asset classes. So the closer to zero from any direction, the weaker the positive or negative relationship between the two asset classes will be. The lower the correlation coefficient is between two asset classes, the lower the risk of losses will be for a conventionally diversified portfolio. Now that we understand the basic math behind correlation, let's begin to explore why conventional diversification fails when you need it most. That means that the time has come to present you with the bad news. Conventional diversification is not the risk management panacea that the investment management industry would have you believe. Unfortunately, during periods the U.S. stock market is suffering its worst losses, conventional diversification does little to protect a portfolio from capturing larger than expected losses. But it gets worse. When U.S. stock markets are experiencing their largest gains, conventional diversification again works against your portfolio by limiting the gains captured. So to summarize, conventional diversification tends to fail when you need it most and drags down your gains when you need it least. During periods of abnormal performance in the U.S. stock market, as defined by periods when the market is experiencing either historically significant losses or historically significant gains, conventional diversification works against your portfolio in both directions. And that is bad. And it's widely unrecognized by the investment management industry and investors alike. Conventional diversification fails during extreme market events because the normal relationship in how the values of each asset class move 
relative to U.S. stocks breaks. When the U.S. stock market is generating abnormally large losses, the correlation of U.S. stocks to other asset classes increases, and sometimes dramatically. Recalling what we learned previously about correlation, when the correlation between asset classes goes up towards plus one, the risk reduction of conventional diversification decreases. During normal markets, asset classes that usually do not move strongly in the same direction as U.S. stocks, or they have low correlation to each other, or move in the opposite direction, meaning they have a negative correlation, suddenly and simultaneously begin to move in near lockstep and in the same direction as U.S. stocks. When the U.S. stock market is generating historically extreme losses and the correlation of all the asset classes relative to U.S. stocks simultaneously rise, the portfolio begins to generate higher than expected losses. This happens because all asset classes within a portfolio begin moving strongly in the same direction as U.S. stocks, which during extreme losses happens to be down. The bottom line is that in abnormal markets, conventional diversification fails to reduce portfolio losses and instead increases losses beyond what an investor would expect. Unfortunately, conventional diversification also hurts portfolios by becoming too effective when it's needed the least. When the U.S. stock market is experiencing abnormally high returns, the correlation of asset classes relative to U.S. stocks declines. During normal markets, asset classes that usually move more strongly in the same direction as U.S. stocks begin to move in a less coordinated fashion and sometimes in the opposite direction. So when U.S. stocks are moving up strongly, most other asset classes suddenly become less correlated with U.S. stocks and generate lower or negative returns when compared to U.S. stocks. Therefore, they drag down the portfolio returns. An important question to ask at this point, and a question that you may be thinking about right now, is why is conventional diversification usually the only risk management technique used in the design of an investment portfolio if it fails when you need it most? And I think the answer to that is just like any complex subject, there are often times a difference between the academic theory behind a process and the effectiveness of that theory in practice within the real world. In theory, conventional diversification is great. In practice, it has limitations. The failure of the investment management industry to identify or acknowledge the limitations of conventional diversification comes from the blind following of investment theory during the process of designing investment portfolios. Investment managers usually choose how they will diversify asset classes in a portfolio by looking at the correlations of asset classes to each other over the long term using what's called full sample data. And this process makes sense considering statistics become more accurate 
the larger the sample size of data you have. In other words, you can make better predictions when you have more data. Full sample data simply means using the historical asset class data going back as far in time as is available to calculate how asset classes historically correlate to one another. Large sample sizes smooth out the correlation between asset classes and minimize the impact that short, infrequent market crashes or recessions have on the relationship between how asset class values historically change relative to one another. This statistical bias is analogous to calculating the simple average of hundreds or even thousands of similar numbers. The more numbers you average, the less of an impact outlier numbers that are unusually small or unusually large compared to the majority of the data set will ultimately have on the result. Failing to capture the full impact of relatively infrequent abnormal market behavior in the calculation of correlations between asset classes causes investment managers to underestimate the size of likely losses a portfolio may generate and the quality of the overall diversification. Over long periods of time, there are short periods where correlations between asset classes can dramatically diverge from the long-term average. It is during these short periods where portfolios experience the greatest losses that are capable of permanently reducing the long-term total returns that a portfolio is likely to generate. Because severe market correlations or crashes usually happen over short periods of time relative to normal market behavior, their impact on risk is concealed and minimized in the calculation of correlations over full sample periods. The small sample size of data related to abnormal gains or losses in the stock market is what makes measuring their impact on risk difficult. It is difficult because the quality of statistical calculations decreases or are highly unreliable if the quantity of the sample data is too small. For this reason, the investment management industry does not try to isolate the outsized risk of abnormally large losses or gains, and therefore uses overly optimistic correlation data resulting in underestimating total portfolio risk. In a great research paper called When Diversification Fails, written by Sebastian Page and Robert Panarello, they came up with great statistical techniques to quantifying the correlation changes that occur during extreme markets. And I will share some of their data in a moment. But first, let's quickly look at last quarter's asset class returns. And we can see through simple observation that the extreme losses caused conventional diversification to fail. Many investors may have been surprised how much their diversified portfolios fell during the rapid decline that markets experienced last quarter. When we look simply at asset class returns during this period, we can see that all major asset classes experienced losses, including traditional safe havens like gold and bonds. Now I'm going to reference another chart, chart number two in the show notes called asset class returns. This chart shows the returns of major asset classes 
between February 19th of 2020 and March 23rd of 2020. So the time period when markets experienced their crash this year. And what you can see from the chart is that all major asset classes, including safe haven asset classes and asset classes that would traditionally have very low or even negative correlation to US stocks, all generated losses. So US bonds generated a loss of negative 4%. US stocks during the time period generated a loss of negative 36%. International stocks, negative 33%. And gold, negative 7%. So what you can see is that there was no safe haven during this market crash. And most certainly, the correlations that were used in the design of conventionally diversified portfolios did not hold up with all asset classes being down. Conventional diversification assumes the correlation between US stocks and other asset classes will always remain close to their full sample correlations. However, during periods of abnormal gains and losses, correlations often change rapidly from their full sample expectations. Now let's dig into this a little more and look at the page in Panarello research data that clearly shows the extent to which correlation assumptions fail and therefore conventional diversification assumptions fail to protect portfolios. The chart that I'm going to reference is chart number three, and it shows how asset class correlations relative to US stocks change during the worst 1% market losses. So during the most extreme periods of market losses. For those of you following along and looking at the chart, what you can see is that the dark blue bars are the correlation of each asset class relative to US stocks using full sample data. So these are the correlation calculations that are used in the risk model for conventionally diversified portfolios. The light blue bars represent the correlation of each asset class relative to US stocks during the worst losses. And what you can see is that the correlation of each asset class relative to stocks dramatically increases during extreme market losses. In most cases, for those that don't have the chart, the increase in correlation is 50% or more. In a nutshell, this chart demonstrates the dramatic increase in correlations and therefore downside risk that conventional portfolios are exposed to during extreme markets. And this major underestimation of risk is likely to result in much larger than expected portfolio losses. Now, real quickly, let's look at the opposite scenario to what we just reviewed. Let's look at how correlations change during the best US stock market rallies or the top 1% rallies. And again, the dark blue bars represent the full sample correlations and the light blue represent the correlations during the top 1% US stock market rallies. When correlations decrease, which is what we are seeing in this chart, and if you don't have the chart in front of you, the opposite is happening from what we looked at in the last chart. Instead of correlations going up, which would actually be desirable during market gains, because we would want our other asset classes to move more in the same directions as US stocks when US stocks are going up, they actually move in the opposite direction. They decrease 
in correlation and then sometimes actually go from positive correlations to negative correlations, meaning they actually go in the opposite direction. So what that does to a portfolio is as stock markets are rallying their best, other asset classes will tend to lag or move in the opposite direction, therefore diluting your positive returns from US stocks. We have covered a lot of material today. We've explored in significant detail how conventional diversification can fail during extreme markets, but also why conventional diversification has historically failed just when your portfolio needs it most. So a logical question at this point is, if conventional diversification has these significant limitations, should I even be including conventional diversification as a risk management tool in my portfolio? And my answer to that is yes, conventional diversification should be included in your portfolio and has a significant risk management role to play. After all, during normal markets, the theory more or less works and can lower the volatility of your portfolio and therefore add value. However, during periods of uncommonly large losses in the US stock market, conventional diversification is likely to fail your portfolio when you need it most. And that results in less efficient portfolios and potentially lower long-term returns. So what can be done about it? There are other risk management techniques that can be used to mitigate the risk of the failure in conventional diversification. And that is the topic that we will explore next quarter. So I look forward to speaking with you then. And in the meantime, take care of yourself and be well. Thank you so much for joining me. If you want to view our video series called The Five Secrets of High Performance Investing, then you can find it on our website at threesummit.com forward slash secrets. Also, if you find our investing insights helpful and you've gained something from our podcast, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. And as always, I love hearing from our listeners. So please do not hesitate to contact me directly if you want to talk about investing or any other financial topic that is important to you. Take care, and I look forward to next quarter.